Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Well, at 529 and 45 seconds a.m. on the morning of July 16th, 1945, the definition of power changed forever. The, The sun hadn't yet started to come up, yet the skies of New Mexico absolutely lit up as they tested the atomic bomb. And it started with some yellows, and then it would go to some reds, and then some oranges. And it, it was just such a powerful thing to see absolutely explode. And the, as you can see here, the mushroom cloud that would go up. The, the only thing that was left from the bomb site itself, the heat was so powerful, it changed all of the sand into little pieces of green radioactive glass. The, the, the actual fireball spread at about 360 feet per second. It was absolutely incredible. And 21 days later, that same type of bomb called Little Boy was loaded onto a B-29 bomber and sent towards Japan. And as it got close to Hiroshima, it would line up the target. And once it got over the target, it would let go of the Little Boy atomic bomb and would hit Hiroshima. The co-pilot of the Enola Gay, Robert Lewis, simply said after dropping the bomb, my God, what have we just done? And the cockpit flew on in silence. Six years later, the same nuclear reactors The same chemical compounds, the same uranium, just a little bit of a different enrichment was used once again to light up Arco, Idaho. This time the ground didn't shake. There was no fireball. There was no mushroom cloud. There was no death or destruction or pain. No, this time everything being the same, the the nuclear reactors, the chemical compound, the uranium, this time was used to light up a strand of light bulbs. And nuclear energy, electricity, was formed. I don't know if you knew this, but 20% of the energy and the electricity we use in the United States today comes from nuclear power. I don't know about you. I find that absolutely fascinating. The fact that the same chemical or the same nuclear reactor, the same chemical compound, the same uranium can be used to absolutely destroy a city or it can be used to light up a city. It can be used to bring death, pain, and destruction to anyone witness to it, or it can generate power for homes and hospitals. It's absolutely amazing to me. And today we're just going to go there, church. Because I wonder how many of us know of the power and the deadly weapon we carry all the time, every single day. This little thing called the tongue that we carry in our own little cockpit. You know, it's about three inches to three and a half inches long, the size of the average tongue. It only weighs two, two and a half ounces at at most, the average size, and yet the power that it possesses. 
And today we're just going to camp there on a few verses in the book of James. If you haven't been here, we've been going through a study through the book of James. And um, we hope you have a Bible. Go ahead and get it out. Um, if you don't have a Bible, over here you can get one over here at this booth. We want to make sure that you have God's Word. Um, we're going to be in the book of James. God put a table of contents in the front. Very easy so you can find it. But we started this uh, the series in James a couple of weeks ago, which is like core training. It's like if you are a Christian, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, th- this isn't this isn't anything to get your salvation, but this should be your faith in action. These are things that hey, this is core training that who we are as Christ followers. We should be we should take note of this. And James takes half over half of a chapter just on the tongue, just on the words that we use. It's that powerful. So. Um, and if you haven't found it yet, the easiest way I found to uh, get the, to the book of James, just start in the very back. Start in Revelation, start going the other way. You're going to pass a lot of small books. Jude, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, James is next. If you hit Hebrews, big book, you went too far, go back to the right. James, see, bring your Bibles. We'll tell you exactly where to go. James, we're going to start in chapter 2. As you guys are trying to flip it and find it, want to welcome everyone who's here today. Our Crossroads students are up front. Love you guys. Our, where's our refuge Where's our refuge peeps over here? There they are. Our college people we love you guys. Um, everyone who's watching somewhere around the country, maybe around the world online, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, hopefully you have found James. Anyone have a phone on just by... <laughs> See, if you were here two weeks ago, you would get that joke. It's why you should come every week. Okay, here we go. All right, James... See, Pastor Jeff is a lot more calm today than he was last week. All right, James chapter 3, verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. I love how it starts. All right, who is included in all? Everybody. Okay, so here, here we go. This is ballpark for everybody. Everybody's included here. Anyone who has never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. I love how James starts this, all right? Now, in case you're kind of new, you're not really sure, there's only two types of people in this world, okay? There's imperfect people and there's Jesus. In case you didn't know, we're all in category one, okay? We, so we are all imperfect. So if you walked in here today, you're like, oh man, I never say anything wrong. I never hurt anybody's feelings. Read the Bible, okay? All right, so this is something that we all stumble with. And I just, I love that. I love the fact he just says, hey, this is something that we all have problems with, with things with our words. We've all said things were not perfect because it said, hey, if we kept everything perfect, then our whole body's in check and everything is good. And we all know that's not true for us. Now, I don't know who invented the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Dude's a moron, all right? I mean, it's, 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 one of the, it's one of the dumbest things you could possibly say, right? It, it is, because I've got all kinds of scars all over my body. My, my right foot has been shredded from a bicycle accident. Gross story. You know, I've got scars all over my body. I've been bit by a snake before. It wasn't like that 14-foot anaconda that went over my foot the other day in my yard. It felt that big, I'm telling you. It was, yeah, all right? But I've got all kinds of scars just from playing softball and sports. I've got a huge, a huge, I got a scar on my forehead from diving headfirst into a uh, chain link fence trying to catch a ball, playing softball, and my, you know, head, you know, skin peeled back, needed embedded sutures and all kinds of stuff. I got scars all over my body that are right now are just funny stories because they have healed. But let me ask you, I'd be willing to bet most of us in here have scars that maybe we are still dealing with today from something somebody said. Or maybe something you never heard. 
the power of words, and it's infected you even to this day. So it really should be sticks and stones may break my bones. I get a casting, get over it. But words can decimate me is the truth. So if you have a note sheet, there's going to be some stuff we're going to be jotting down. Um, uh, also in our app, you can take notes in the app as well. First thing under sticks and stones. Look, we, can, we never use the excuse everyone else says it. All right. I don't care, you know, law enforcement, it could be a tough thing. Or if you're in the military or if you're around people who do sports or construction, I mean, just all kinds of language all over the place, but we cannot use, Hey, everyone else says it. So that means it's got to be okay for me to say, there's actually, um, a country song out there, uh, from a couple years ago, kind of a catchy tune. It says, we love who we love and we want to have fun. We cuss on them Mondays. We pray on them Sundays, pass it around. We'll dream about one day. This is how we roll. Some of you are like, yeah, it's a pretty good song. Some of you are singing it right now. We cuss on them Mondays. We pray on them Sundays. This is just how we roll. For those of us who would call us Christians, that is not how we roll. And James is going to make it perfectly clear as we dive in today that our words, and it's not just talking about cussing, it's talking about the words we use out of anger, hatred, jealousy, rage. It doesn't matter. The words we use have so much power. And for those of us who are Christ followers, James is diving in saying, this is not how we roll. And it's really awesome because he gives us some cool pictures. I love James because I'm, I'm like a visual guy. I like to, you know, envision things happening. And he goes, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Now, I understand this. My wife and I, um, we've, you know, gone on occasion and, and done some horseback riding. First time we ever did, we were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee on our, um, on our honeymoon. And I got on this horse it was a mammoth beast. I mean, this, his name was Dakota. The thing was absolutely huge. And I'm telling you, the only different difference between a horse and a dragon is one breathes fire. Okay. I mean, they are, they are huge. And I remember being on, on Dakota and we were in a group of, I don't know, six or seven people. And they just had this line that they follow. And so we're up there looking at all the awesome mountains there in in, uh, the Tennessee area. And then I can't remember, I think it was a turkey like flew out and kind of spooked Dakota which means Steve got spooked too, okay? Because Dakota, weighing about 2,000 pounds or more, takes off. Steve had never been on a horse before. I'm looking to the guide, and the guide's like, pull the reins, you know, and like, put your heels back and then turn. And so I'm doing this, and all of a sudden, the bit that is in the mouth of Dakota and this horse, all of a sudden, he's able to stop. He slows down, and I pull him back around. He sees the line of horses that are where they need to be, and we're forever down a mountainside. And then he realizes, and then he starts going right back up, right back into line. So I get this, and you, you probably do too, that, that there is this little thing, that when you think about the size of a horse... There is this little, little tiny thing called a bit that they put in the horse's mouth. It's tied to reins. And, I'm, and where you steer that thing is going to be the direction and the path that the horse goes on. It's, it's just a cool picture. Then James gives us another picture in case you don't like horses. He says, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are, ooh, come on, here we go. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. 
Now, I don't know a whole lot about ships, so I did some research this week, and I found that we actually have a brand new aircraft carrier that was just launched in May. It's called the USS Gerald R. Ford. This thing is absolutely huge. Um, the overall weight of this thing is 100,000 tons. On the aircraft carrier top, it fits 90 aircraft. This thing is absolutely gigantic. It's 337 meters long, which means from front to back, it is longer than the Eiffel Tower is high. That is how massive this ship is. It is, it is the, it's the biggest aircraft carrier in history. And the funny thing about this ship is that the rudder on this thing is one one hundredth the size of the ship. Now, for most of us, we never see the rudder, right? You know, but it's this little thing that's in the water and one guy's at the helm kind of steering it left and right, which determines the direction and the path that the ship is going. All right, so think about this when it comes to our words. This is what James is getting at. Look, the words we use control the direction of our lives. See, the words that come out of our mouths is going to determine the direction that we are going, just like a bit in a horse's mouth and the rudder on a ship. It's very small compared to the overall size, whatever it is you're talking about, but it is so powerful and it will control the direction and the path that you and I are on. So our words will determine and control the direction of our lives. Now, Jesus said a lot about words. And I think it's always important to find out what did Jesus say about, about things. Jesus was, you know, he, he actually was very upset about certain people when they use words incorrectly. And I don't know if you know, um, but there were these religious leaders called Pharisees um, back when Jesus was walking the earth. And they knew the Bible. I mean, they knew the law front and back. They knew the word, but they didn't know how to apply the word. They would make sure people were judged for doing wrong, but they'd never lift a finger to help and love somebody. And Jesus is talking to a group of these people. And Jesus doesn't call too many names, all right? But when he calls people names, he has some good ones, all right? And he's talking to these Pharisees who just absolutely spew out of their mouth just horrible things, who are supposed to be religious leaders. And Jesus says this to them, you brood of vipers. Isn't that a, that's a wild name to be called, right? He's like, you guys are just like a bunch of a pit of venomous snakes with your little forked tongues sticking out all over the place. That, that's all you are. He says, how can you who are evil say anything good for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of? So I don't know if you've ever said anything that you regret and you've said, whoa, I don't know where that came from. Now we know. It's what's in your heart. Whatever comes out of your mouth is what your heart is full of. And that can kind of put us in check. Whoa, really? Yeah. And Jesus continues. This is how, how important it is. He says, a good man brings good things out of good things stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that, who's that? We'll have to give account on the day of judgment for every word they have spoken. Boy, that scares me to death a bit. Think about the words we've used. Think about the words we've never said. You see, our character is measured by our words because what is in our heart is going to come out through the words that we use. And we will be judged by the careless words that we say. 
And that's pretty powerful. It's why James spends over a half of a chapter about the tongue and the use of words. And James continues, if you want to flip back to James, he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Now, if you've lived around here for long enough, you, you understand this pretty well. I was around here for about 15 years ago when the Legends fire started, and then it spread huge. And then we had the fires over on 31 up on the north end. And then a few years ago, there was one out in Conway that actually got to about a half mile from where Shannon and I used to live. And so we understand this, that, hey, just by a small spark can ignite an entire forest fire. And we can look as far as California and some of those places that have crazy fires. And he's saying, that, that's the power that your words have. When, when, you, when you speak out of harshness and you burn people, it spreads like a wildfire. And some of you may know this. You may have gotten in a fight with someone in your family and you said something you didn't mean. It doesn't stay there, does it? No, they got to tell another family member. And they tell another family member and then everybody's mad at you and no one's coming to Thanksgiving because everyone's mad at each other, right? And it's like, yo, it was just a small little word, but it can set something completely on fire. And he continues, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. This is why this is so important. It corrupts the whole body. It's not just something you say, ah, didn't really mean it. No big deal. No, no, no. It corrupts everything. And it sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Now, I'm like, hold on, James. There's proving your point and then there's going there, right? I mean, that seems kind of harsh. But when you think about it, think about some of your scars from words. Maybe think about how you've scarred and burned some other people. We probably set some people on fire. And he's saying, it is so powerful what our tongue is used for. It can bring incredible things and it can absolutely destroy somebody as well. And, and then he gives us this, this really cool, this cool idea. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. And if you've been to like a circus and they've got lions and tigers and bears, oh my, you know, and, and they've, they've trained all these kinds of animals. If you've ever been to SeaWorld and they have these gigantic whales doing all these kinds of tricks, James is saying, look, mankind has tamed all kinds of animals, all kinds. And then this is so powerful, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. See, we can train all kinds of wild things. But when it comes to you, when it comes to me, we cannot tame the tongue on our own. It is impossible. So it's pointless for us to say, oh, I'll work on it. I'll get better. It's not going to get better because you and I, we can't tame the tongue and the words of our mouth. That can only come from the Holy Spirit that God can give us in our lives to fulfill our heart, to make it clean and pure. So what comes out of our heart and expressed with our words is powerful and useful for building people up. And then he says this, and this, this is just, should be so eye-opening to every single one of us. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Christians, this is not how we roll. 
This is not how we roll. He's saying, look, one of the greatest honors human beings have is praising our Father in heaven. We come in on Sunday mornings, we'll sing the songs, we'll pray, we'll, we'll tweet out good quotes and stuff like that. It's like, man, he's saying that is one of the greatest honors you could possibly have is praising your heavenly Father. And then you turn around on Monday and use it for the greatest evil, tearing people apart, people that are made in God's image that Jesus died for? This should not be. And he's not talking about just cuss words. He's talking about any word you use that could tear down a human being. Check this out. Even if it's true. Because we'll do that, won't we? You lazy bum. Probably true. Is that building that person up? Are we putting someone on fire? And it's not that there isn't room for correction. Not saying that. But we all know how we have used words to burn people on purpose. And sometimes we do it by accident, but because we think it's true, we just let it go. And there's no more action that needs to happen. But we need to understand that our words hold the power of both life and death. We can set people just to be on top of the world, or we can make them feel like they'd rather be buried completely under it. Now, for the rest of the time, I just want to talk about what do we do? All right. I mean, so, okay, cool. We got that. What do we do? And this was written 2000 years ago, way before like texting and social media and stuff. So I don't think James is just talking about the words we say. I think he's talking about words we use and our little thumbs can be little, you know, fire burners. All right. So now what we're going to go through, these are not Bible. You don't have to do any of this stuff, but Maybe some of this stuff would help. When it comes to smart texting or posting, um, we need to think before we respond. We need to really think before we hit send on something. And I, I'm, I like being funny. And there are so many things I'll be about to tweet out and then I'll read it and be like, how will this make me look if I hit send? And evidently I just delete it. And I just, I, I don't send it. And it's like, Man, but that's funny. People would laugh at that. We need to think before we hit send. We need to think before we respond to things. Um, next thing. If you can't say it in front of your spouse, don't hit send. Now, now this, this one, you know, people think maybe, you know, goofy and not a good idea. And that's fine. You can think that. Um, but I know Shannon and I... Um, Almost every time, almost every time, if we're texting anybody of the opposite sex, either she is attached to it or the other person's spouse, or there is a third party connected to the text. And you may think, man, that's dumb. We think it's wise. We think it's wise to make sure somebody else is attached. So if you are married and you're texting somebody else who's either married or someone who is not, you know, um, who's not of your gender, attach your spouse or attach somebody else to it. And you may say, oh, that, that's one of the dumbest things. I'm not doing that. You don't have to. But here's the thing. You will never regret doing this. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of people who regret wishing they'd have been doing this all along in their marriage. I bet a lot of hands would go up. I bet a lot of hands would go. And, and how this deals with, you know, students, high school, middle school, college students. Seriously, the, if you're texting anybody who is married, think about the other person's spouse and, hey, do I need to attach somebody else to this? Yeah, I just, just because I want to be in the safety zone. 
That's all I want to do. I want to make sure that my words are not taken the wrong way. I'm just going to attach somebody else to it. Either somebody in your C group or, you know, if you're middle and high school, it ain't going to be a parent. I know that. But figure out somebody else that you can attach to be like, you know what? I don't want to have a regret because I can guarantee you if I were to ask for a show of hands, you guys would be surrounded in a room full of people who have regrets because they didn't do this. It would be incredible the number of people that would put their hands up if they were honest. Next thing, if you can't read it out loud in church, don't hit send. And some of you are like, dang, I'm going to have to get rid of Facebook, all right? <laughs> Consider that the Holy Spirit telling you maybe you need to get rid of Facebook, okay? I, it's, seriously, if, if we can't put it up here on a Sunday morning, maybe you shouldn't hit send. I don't know. I'm just, it goes back to number one, think before you hit send. Um, next one. Don't say through social media what you wouldn't say in person. Don't, don't be that way. And I understand we're in a social media world and people will say things. Um, but don't, don't say something on social media you wouldn't say to someone's face. And uh, it, it's kind of funny because sometimes I'll say something and I'll make somebody mad, believe it or not. And they'll send something, they'll put something out on Facebook. But whenever I see them, they're like, dude, you're awesome. It's so good seeing you. I'm like, but that's not what you posted. I mean, just, come on, just don't say anything in front of social media. And just dealing with social media, this is, uh, social media stuff is a huge issue. There, there are some, um, some crazy things out there that, I don't know if you knew this, 20% of divorces right now face, um, cite Facebook as a direct correlation for the divorce. 20%. 20%. One in five. When it comes to online stuff, 81% of teens say bullying is easy online is easy online. And this is really heartbreaking. 20% of kids cyber bullied think about suicide one follow through. One out of 10. Because we're just throwing stuff out there. We're not thinking. And we just put stuff out there. Do you understand the power of the words you use, whether through your mouth or through your thumbs? Do you really get the power of destruction and death or life and light that you can put into someone's life? If we can't put it up here, don't say it through social media. Just, just think before you respond. Um, here's the last one. And it just goes great with don't drink and drive. And it says, um, don't text angry. If it, come on, pop it. There it goes. D- don't text angry. And, and you guys know this. If you text people, they're like, if it's all caps and there's like an exclamation point, one or two, are you yelling at me or are you excited? You know, I, I just, I don't know. All right. I'm, I'm getting old. I, I can't, I, I don't understand this. So it's a, look, I don't, I, I can't get that. So if you're angry, just don't text angry. You will text something probably that you will regret. So ju- just don't do it. Don't text angry. It's just a very bad idea. Okay. So th- those are just some tips for, you know, when it comes to our words, things that we can do. Now, as we get a little more practical as far as, all right, those are some good ideas. Maybe some not. You're a little off the deep end there, Steve. But um, here are some just tips for us on just how we can start getting a rain on our tongue in the words we use. And the first thing is we need to pray about it daily. If you have an issue with the words and things you say, you need to pray about it daily. All right. And, and, and every time you kind of slip up or whatever, you just continue praying for it. Just God, you know, every day, every time, all right, give me a clean heart. Help me with my words. Now, some of you, you may need to say this 30 times a day, all right? Because after today is over, you might walk out and think, all right, I'm going to do this. And then you're going to hit 501, <laughs> right? You know, oh, 
God, help me from this point forward. Give me the words to say. Now, now some people, you need a verse to kind of go along with this to help you. And here's a couple. They're, they're in the note sheet if you have it. And these, these are just real powerful verses that you can just kind of memorize and put on your heart to help you at those times when you need something. You need God's word and his truth to help you with some of your words that you use. One is, one, is Psalm 141, 3 through 4. It says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. There's more to it, I, I, I promise. There we go. Um, man, go back. This time I'm going back. There it goes. Set a guard over my heart. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil, so I take part in the wicked deeds along with those... I got to hit it earlier. Those evildoers do not let me eat their delicacies. In other words, just because everyone's doing it doesn't make it okay. And if you, if you struggle, if you're in an environment where it's tough for you with your language and how you talk about people and the jokes you laugh at, great verse for you. Here's another one. Psalm, Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Another, another good verse you guys can, can have. So number one, pray about it daily. Pray about it all the time. Number two, seek accountability. Get in a C group. Find some people that, that you trust that will hold you accountable for things. Uh, go to your kids and promise them ice cream every time you say something that they shouldn't say. You'll clean it up pretty quick, right? I mean, but seriously, it's, but James says this is a huge issue. If we don't get our words right, it damages the entire body. Everything we do could be ruined by our words. And my guess is most of us have an example of that in our lives. That's how important it is. So you have to seek accountability um, when it comes to, man, I just, I need some help in this area. There's an awesome woman in our church. She has a rubber band around her wrist. And every time she says something she's not supposed to or laughs at something, she's like, you know, and man, whatever, seriously, whatever it takes, it is so important for you to do. Um, here's the next thing. Confess it and move on. We all stumble in this area. All of us. Do not beat yourself down whenever you slip up because your buttons are pushed. All right. Don't say, oh, great. There I go again. This is never going to happen. I shouldn't even try. Confess it. Help with, get help with your accountability and move on. Do not harp in the fact that you slipped up again because we all struggle in this area. And um, here's the last one I have is, look, when it happens, just don't excuse it. And we do this all the time. Don't excuse the fact that you said something mean to your spouse or a coworker or a boss or your kids. Don't excuse it just because you're right. Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, because the, our words are so powerful. I was talking to um, some people on, on staff um, over the last couple of weeks about this message and was just like, you know, what are some times you remember of just being torched by somebody? And there, there's a woman on our staff and um, I don't even know how old she is, but um, when she said when she was five, she was learning to roller skate um, and to ride her bike at, at the house. And she said, her dad said to her, you're stupid. You'll never learn anything. Now, she also said her dad filled her up with so much love and encouragement. But boy, does she remember that. Whenever she sent me the email, after she sent the words that he said, she put underneath of that, wow, that was still hard to type. See, you guys know this, don't you? Because we've been burned 
and we've probably burned some other people. There's someone else on our staff, and, um, and she said family members she was growing up just would constantly tell her, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. I was just like, how do you get over that? And she was like, I had to keep speaking truth into it. I, I had to get God's word, what God actually says about me, and speak that into it because otherwise that would have ruined me forever. And it's not that she still doesn't know it. She still remembers it. She still remembers the words and can hear the people saying it. But man, she's like, you have got to speak what God says about me, not what the world says about me, and speak truth into those little sliver lies that were told. Because words are powerful. And you guys know this. I, um, I remember, um, I don't know, I was probably 12 or 13, 11 or 12 years old, so, somewhere around there. And my parents had already been divorced for a couple of years, or for several years. And my dad got to the point where he was picking us up, my brother and I, every other weekend, and was doing absolutely nothing with us. It was, you know, um, or at least that's the way it felt to me. And I remember one time he came to pick me up, and he was like, Stephen, you ready to go? And I just said, I don't want to see you anymore. And I remember his words back to me when he said, that's all I needed to know. I watched him get in his car and drive away. And that started a span of over 20 years where we did not speak. Because I was trying to share my heart because I didn't like the situation I was in. I wanted to spend time with him and I didn't know how to express it. And for 20 years, more than that, and I used it, I was like, I excused it. I said, well, he doesn't spend any time with me. He doesn't do anything with me. He, he deserved to hear that. I have no idea how that cut him. And about four or five years ago, I really felt convicted that, and some of you know this story, I've shared it before, that I really felt I needed to reach out to my dad again. And I was like, if I talk to him on the phone, I'm just, um, human is going to come out and it is, it's just not going to be good. So I wrote him a letter. And here's the thing, oh, y'all, this is so huge. Even if you have an excuse, you own up to your part and that is it. That's it. I, I sent my dad a letter and, and I just apologized for, for the words I had said to him, for the fact at that point he had never met his granddaughters. And I said, I'd like to start over. And a couple months later, my dad called me. And slowly, still slowly to this day, we're trying to repair damage that was done so long ago that we both said words that hurt and cut. And I remember saying, well, if he apologizes, then I will. You know, if he owns up to his part, then I certainly will. Christians, that should not be. If we are wrong, we got to own it. We got to live up to it. And we just, we got to apologize. We got to humble ourselves. Even if we know the other side isn't going to respond in a healthy way. This isn't about them. This is about your heart. This is about what's in your heart, which is causing horrible stuff to come out of your mouth whenever you think about that person or the situation, whatever it is. And a couple years ago, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, 
my dad ended up having uh, two tumors, one on each of his kidneys. One was small. Um, the other one was about six pounds and was the size of a football. And he didn't tell me. I found out from my grandmother that, um, that he had this, and I, I struggled over it, and I was like, does he not care? Does he not want me to know? And gosh, I still haven't been able to talk to him. Dad, if you ever watch, I love you. And I remember finding out about these tumors, and I was like, I don't know if I go. He's up in Pennsylvania. I, I don't know if he wants me there. And I prayed about it, and I talked to my wife and Pastor Jeff, and, and um, Pastor Jeff gave me some amazing advice. He just said, always err on the side of love. So I got a plane ticket and a hotel, and I went up to Hershey, PA to, to be there, and I beat him to the hospital. He didn't know I was coming, and he walked into the hospital, and I was there and um, got to pray for him before he went into surgery. And they were able to remove both the tumors. Thankfully, um, neither of them were cancerous, and, um, and he's doing good today, which is great. And I remember going into the hospital room the day I was leaving, and uh, I just sat there, and I was just like, Dad, I'm glad you're okay. And he looked at me, and I remember these words too. He said, I'm so glad you came. I didn't think you would. Human in me was like, well, why didn't you just ask me? <laughs> right? And then what we do? Why didn't you just say something? Why didn't you just talk to me, Dad? He may have been afraid I would have said no. And what would that have done to him? And I don't know. But he said, I'm so glad you came. And I remember telling him he loved me and, you know, got on a plane and came back and, you know, and it, it's still, you know, we're still repairing, you know, 20 years is a long time that words can do whenever we let it fester and we let it just take root in our lives. But guys, who is controlling the reins on our tongues? Who's controlling it? Is it us? Is it you? Is it me? Because if it is us, we are going to continue to burn and cause damage, destruction, death, and pain. We're just going to continue to do it because we cannot tame the tongue. But especially those of us who are Christ followers, if we were to allow God to really use the power of his Holy Spirit to pray over our words every single day. How can I speak truth, not death? How can I bring life, not death? What can I do? I think that there are probably a lot of us in here who would call ourselves Christ followers that we need to get our words in check. We really need to think before we respond in the damage we can be doing. And the praise team is going to come up and they're... Um, they're going to lead us in a song, which is just going to give us a chance to respond back to our Heavenly Father. And for those of us who are Christians in here today, maybe what God is stirring in you I need a heart of humility. There's some stuff in my heart that's coming out of my mouth, and God, I cannot fix it because it's still happening. And I, I just, I need you. I need you. And there could be some other people in here today that you're, you're not a Christian. In fact, the reason you're not a Christian is because you've been burned by, by a Christian. There's been words that said out of people who say they love Jesus. You have been burned. You're just like, there is no way I would even think that there's a God who loves me when his people talk to me that way. And you've been hurt and you've been burned and you've been scarred. 
And that wound is so, so deep. If that's you in here today, I want you to hear some of the words that your heavenly father says about you. He says, you're holy and loved. It's Colossians 3.12. He says, you are my masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10. He says, you are accepted by Christ. Romans 15.7. He says, you are my child. You are my child. John 1.12. He says, with me, you are a new creation. Although you have been burned, you do not have to live with the scars of that anymore. 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, you are one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.28. And maybe something that we all need to hear today. You have been set free. Galatians 5.1. There could be some of you in here today that you need to be set free from words that have damaged you for so many years. Please do not judge God because we all struggle in this area. Please know that he loves you and he does not want you to live with the lies of the world that have burned you for so long. Would we just allow his words, his truth to just completely wash all over us just to sink so deep into our heart and our soul to realize that regardless of what is said in the world, regardless of the damaging things that is done, when it comes back to who created me, he says I'm loved. He says I don't have to deal with this. I don't have to live. I can live in freedom regardless of what is said from the people around me. I believe there are some people in here today that he wants to set free. I believe there's some people in here today that need some strength to apologize and to start praying and asking God to take over the reins of our tongues and our words because Christians, this should not be. We should not praise the song and then use the same mouth and the same tongue to torch people that he loves and Jesus died for. And we all struggle in this area. And this is our time to respond back to our Heavenly Father, to ask for His strength and His Spirit in us to help us speak light and life and be who He created us to be. This is the time for you to allow Him to just wash all over you with His words. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.